I'm Lisa Collins, and welcome to today's broadcast of Real Christianity with attorney Mosley Collins. Have you been badly injured? Do you need wise legal counsel, but you don't know where to turn for help? You should call attorney Mosley Collins at 916-444-4444. Mosley Collins has over 26 years of experience as a lawyer dedicated to helping accident victims like you. He knows the struggle you are going through, and he knows how to fight and win your case. If you have been badly hurt, the last thing you need is another bill. That's why if we take your case, there's never a fee until we win. If you've been hurt and need help, call us at 916-444-4444 or visit our website at www.moseycollins.com. Just remember, that's all fours for legal help. And now, I'm proud to present your brother in Christ and my husband, Mosley Collins. Thank you, darling. We're in a series on what we can learn from the great men and women of the Old Testament. What we can learn to help us live a joy-filled, victorious Christian life. But before we do that today, I just wanna thank you and tell you what a privilege it is and an honor to be able to come into your house or come into your car or wherever you're listening to this and share with you the things of God. And I want to remind you, Jesus may return tonight. He may return today. He may return tomorrow morning at sunrise. And I'm here with you today because I want you to be ready. So let's study today's message and see what we can learn. Now last week we began studying the life of Abraham and let's recap it just a minute. We read how Abraham, actually at that point in his life, he was called Abram, how Abram was the son of Terah, and Terah had moved the family from Ur, heading towards Canaan, but he never made it. He settled the family in a city called Haran, and that's where Terah and his son Abram and other members of the family lived. Now here's what the Bible says in Genesis uh, chapter 11, beginning at verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Naor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant, and she had no children. One day Terah took his son, Abram, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but he stopped at Haran and settled there. Terran lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Now, there's a problem here. Uh, we're gonna learn that there's a problem about who uh, Terah and his family were, were worshiping as God. The family of Terah and Haran did not worship the true God. They worshiped false gods, and that's gods with a small g. Here's what the Bible says in Joshua 24.2. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Naor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. So the Bible says they worshiped other gods. Then Terah dies and Abraham becomes the head of the family. 
So here is Abram, the head of the family, and he does not know the true God. So it doesn't look good. But something unexpected and wonderful happens. God himself, the true God, speaks to Abram. And here's what God said to Abram in Genesis 12, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household in Haran and headed out for the land of Canaan. And when he arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up a camp beside the oak of Moreh. So God spoke to Abram. He spoke to a man who didn't even know him. Why did God choose Abram? God had not spoken to anyone for hundreds of years, not since he had spoken to Noah. But God had a plan, a plan to reconcile the world to himself, and Abraham was at the center of that plan. God needed just one man who would do the right thing, and if he had just that one man, God could build his plan to save the world through Jesus Christ. God needed someone who would believe him. God chose Abram because God looked at Abram's heart and found a man who would believe him. God said, Depart from Haran, and Abram departed, not really knowing where he was going, because God said, Depart for a place I will show you later. We next turn to Genesis 15 for the story of Abram. Abram was worried. He's getting older. He has no child to leave his inheritance to. But God has a promise for Abram. So let's read beginning at Genesis 15, verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. Let me read that scripture to you one more time. Abraham believed God and God counted it as righteousness. And let me just say parenthetically, we are the stars that Abraham looked up and saw that night. We are his descendants. Now note that the Bible doesn't say that Abraham was righteous. It simply says he, he believed God. It says he believed God and God accepted it as if it were righteousness. Oh, the grace and the kindness of God who counts belief as if it were righteousness. Now, righteousness is doing everything right. Are you righteous in that way? 
Have you done everything right? Are you doing everything right today? Are you confident you will do everything right tomorrow and for the rest of your life? Doing everything right in the past? I haven't, and you haven't. Doing everything right in the present? I don't, and you don't. Doing everything right for the, all the future? I'm sure I won't, and you won't either. Only Jesus did. Only Jesus lived without any sin. We haven't done everything right. We don't do everything right today, and we won't do everything right for the rest of our lives, even though we try. In our own strength, you and I are not capable of actual righteousness in the sight of God. Now, are we doomed? Only God is truly righteous. How are we going to have fellowship with a righteous and holy God if we aren't truly righteous? How are we going to be saved? How are we going to be approved by God? How are we going to be accepted by God, God who wants righteousness? So I ask you again, are we doomed? No, thank God. Because beginning with Abraham, God has established this wonderful way for us. God has decided he will accept believing in him as righteousness, as if it were righteousness, which it really isn't. Abraham believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. God wrote that in the Bible for your benefit and for my benefit, as well as Abraham's. How kind of God to let us know that. Because God is no respecter of persons, it applies to you and me, as well as Abraham. The only difference is Abraham had God's spoken word, and we have God's written word, the Bible. The Bible. Plus, sometimes God speaks to our heart through the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you? Then know this, God counts that belief as righteousness. This is how God solved the problem of righteousness, because in our own strength, we're not really capable of it. God decided in his kindness and love to accept belief in place of righteousness. Am I saying you can believe God and pursue a life of sin? Of course not. Those who believe God desire to pursue a life of holiness. It's just that our confidence is not in ourselves, what our deeds, what deeds we do or don't do, but our confidence is in God's promise, the promise that if we believe him, he rewards it by counting it as righteousness. That's why the Bible says in Acts 16, 31, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Now, does it say, do everything right, and you will be saved? No. Does it say, keep the Ten Commandments, and you will be saved? No. Does it say, join a church, and you will be saved? No. It says, believe, and you will be saved. Do you remember the thief on the cross? It's found in Luke 23. Let me turn to that. I'll, I'll begin reading at verse 32. Two, other, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. 
look at, I'll just stop for a minute, look at the kindness and forgiveness of God and Jesus. As they nail him to the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing here. And the soldiers gamble for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too, offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a sign was fastened above the cross. And it said, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, yeah, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's an example. Many of those standing there didn't believe, and one did. And those who didn't believe, those who scoffed, those who said, if you truly are the Son of God, come down, those people died in their sins. And the one who did believe received the gift of eternal life, life in paradise with Jesus that day. And that's the difference between believing and not believing. And that's the reward for believing and not believing. Let's look at another example. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis chapter one, verse one. Do you believe that? Do you believe the explanation given by the word of God of how the world was created? Some people believe and some people don't. It's just like the story of the two thieves at the cross. Now I'm sure some people will say to me, Mosley, surely you don't believe that God created the world. I've read 10 different scientific articles on it. I've read 20 different scientific books that say otherwise. I've studied that at college. In fact, I got a PhD in it. Well, let me tell you, no one knows firsthand how the universe was actually created because none of us were there. All the guys beginning with Darwin on down are only guessing. It may be their best guess. It may be after they studied it, but in the end, it's only a guess. It's only the theory of revolution. It's only a guess. And God allowed it to be that way. Why? So he would know who would believe him and who would not. Remember this, Abraham believed God and God counted it for righteousness. How about you? How about me? I boldly say this, I don't care what other people say, whoever they are, whatever they say, I believe God, and I believe the Bible, God's Word. I believe God created the universe because that's what the Bible says. You know, I have four degrees, four college degrees. I have a BA in history, a post-BA degree in psychology, a law degree, and I graduated from Bible college. I have 13 years of college and graduate school. I only say that to show you I've done the work to get the degrees. But all the schooling is nothing unless it brings me to the most powerful realization and confession a man can have, which is, I believe God. We'll take a break. Hi, this is Mosley Collins. Do you have questions about the things of God we discuss on this broadcast? 
I'm inviting you to a get-together this Tuesday night at Brookfield's Restaurant in Rancho Cordova at the intersection of Folsom Boulevard and Sunrise Boulevard. It's just off Highway 50 and Sunrise. I'm going to be there this Tuesday at 7 p.m. to share a short message, a cup of coffee, and maybe a piece of pie. If you have questions about today's subject or any other subject, if you'd like to meet me and members of my family, if you'd enjoy a cup of coffee and a bite to eat, come on out. We'll be handing out free CDs from some of the messages you've heard here on this program. Now that's Brookfield's Restaurant, Folsom and Sunrise Boulevards at 7 p.m. this Tuesday. You can call us at 916-444-4444 for more information. I hope to see you there. Brookfield's Restaurant, this Tuesday, 7 p.m. We hope you are enjoying today's message. The Bible encourages us to win people for Christ. Jesus said we should go and share the good news with the lost. But most of us don't go and win people for Christ because we don't know how. Mosley has recorded a message that tells you how to do this, step by step, it shows you how to lead others to Christ with the sinner's prayer. This message will teach you the sinner's prayer and show you how to use it to win people for Christ. The sinner's prayer is a simple 19-word prayer that sows powerful spiritual concepts into the hearts of those who pray it with you. Concepts like the Lordship of Christ, the forgiveness of sin, and the receiving of Jesus as Savior. You can use this teaching with your family your friends, and the people you meet to lead them to salvation. To get a free copy of Mosley's teaching on the Sinner's Prayer, just call us at 916-444-4444. Now let's return to today's message. Hi, darling. Thank you so much. We've been talking about believing God. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life wonderful things and mighty things he wants to do in your life. But unbelief is the enemy of all God wants to do in your life. Unbelief such as, oh, I guess I'll never succeed. I don't believe I'll ever have a happy marriage. Or God doesn't care about me. Or my children will never be saved. My husband will never be saved. Or I guess I'll always be on welfare. Or I can't stop smoking. I can't stop drinking, or I guess my hopes will never come true. When you say such things in your mind, or even worse, confess them out loud, you block the great things God wants to do for you. You block the gift of God when you say, I don't know if I can trust the Bible. I don't know if I believe in the Bible. I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I don't know. I don't believe. When we say or think such things, we are the opposite of Abraham. We're saying the opposite of what Abraham said, and we will receive the opposite of what Abraham received. Abraham gives us a wonderful key, how to receive the blessings God wants to give us, because Abraham believed God, and God blessed him and counted it as righteousness. One time, Jesus went to a town where most of the people did not believe in him. He had been in other towns healing people, giving sight to the blind, health to the sick, 
the deaf heard, the dead were raised. But when he came to this town, which was Nazareth, the people didn't believe. And here, here's what we read in Matthew 13, 58. Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, wasn't that tragic? Wasn't that a tragic loss for those people? We must not let this happen to us. Now, there were no doubt sick people there who could have been healed. There were deaf people there who could have received their hearing. There were blind people there who could have received their sight. Jesus came to do mighty works, but he couldn't because of their unbelief. I tell you, Jesus wants to do mighty works in your life, but he won't be able to if he finds unbelief. So what will Jesus find in our hearts? There are great, great blessings God gives to those who are willing to believe him. Believing God is an act of the will. It's not a feeling that comes and goes. It's in your heart and in your mouth right now. God has promised you great things. Will you believe him? Will you be strong like Abraham? I'm calling on you today to join Abraham in saying, I believe God. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 4, 16 through 24. The promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings back the dead to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his own body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced and persuaded that God was able to do whatever God had promised. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Will you join me in praying right now? Dear God, I believe you. I believe every promise in your word. And I believe you will bless me and count me righteous. Amen. My brothers, my sisters, there's a train of God leaving the station and I want you to be on board. You must have a ticket. You must have a seat to ride this train. But all you need to do to get that ticket is believe. Believe God and believe God's word, every word. And that is why we're called believers. I believe you, God. That's our ticket, just as it was for our father Abraham. I believe you, God. You confess that and you get on board with that confession. There's a train of God leaving the station and it's bound for glory. Yes, this train is bound for glory and you need to be on board. You need to ride this train because it's bound for glory. And the ticket you need is simply this confession. I believe you, God. I love you and I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's message. 
A free copy of this message is available to you if you call us at 916-444-4444. Mosley is available to speak at your church or Bible study. There is never a charge for his ministry. He would love to share with your group. You can get more information and you can reach Mosley with your questions and requests by calling 916-444-4444. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to call. I'm Lisa Collins, and thank you for joining us, and may God bless you.